Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. This is Darren Doctorman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. I thought it was a classic femme fatale. So much fun. I like that Shakespearean lace in your acting. I said, Gene, what do you want from this character? I want you to just take the character and make it your own. (laughs) (laughs) I had a good time on the film. On day one, the movie was already $15 million over budget. We started this movie without an ending. That's like painting yourself into a corner. I don't think we've ever had a Star Trek captain on our show. Being, as you said, number one on the call sheet, it is a producer's position if you're going to take it seriously. I was so glad they didn't cast me as Lorca. (laughs) (laughs) You famously wrote that script in 12 days. One level, I wrote the script. And on another level, the story was written by everybody and his brother. I was going to say, what was your response when you were directing and and Terry sort of called you aside and said, hey, uh, I want you to get back in front of the camera again. He sort of chummed the water a little bit. Are you ready to play record? What I thought was saying was you better go to the gym and lose some weight. (laughs) Are you going to trim your beard? Don't cut your hair. You know, my interest was totally peaked. It's not hyperbole to say it's the best Riker material I've ever had. New episodes available every Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or subscribe today at TrexpertsPlus.com. But keep on trekking, and gloriously, of course. Hey, this is Mark Altman of Inglorious Trexperts in the 430 movie. And if you're a fan of our podcast, you don't want to miss Deck 78. Available now by subscribing at trexpertsplus.com. This is a bonus podcast full of great discussions about popular culture, film, and television. Here's a sneak peek. Do you guys remember what a huge pop culture phenomena a $6 million man was? Dude, oh, my God. Let me just tell you. I mean, it's, it's difficult to... Um, to imagine it now. Although, actually, no, it's not. Because as franchise-happy as we are right now, with, like, a million shows that call themselves Star Trek, um, a million Star Wars shows, a million whatever related to whatever IP, uh, people were obsessed with the, six, with the $6 million man and what came out of it. Because not only did you get the bionic one, um, you also had, there was a, on the Saturday morning for, like, three episodes, there was a bionic boy TV show um, about a kid who like broke his legs or something skateboarding, which felt more like a PSA. But what the hell? It kind of worked. A stupid kid who uh, who ends up getting bionics. The on the Captain and Tennille show, they had a sketch: the bionic watermelon. And the premise was a watermelon falls off the back of a truck and it becomes bionic and fights crime. I mean, that's... So in that case, love did not keep it together. It was no, bionics. bionics kept it together. <laughs> bionics, bionics will keep us together. <laughs> Mark Rivera, uh, I think I know what the outro song has got to be tonight. But the thing that I remember the most was that uh, in those days, the the sort of uh, the indicator that your uh, show had hit the big time is when they made coloring books of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Six Million Dollar Man had uh, a, a bunch of uh, fascinating coloring books, but you know you don't see any coloring books today with no. you know popular stuff. There was no. I think the last one was Matlock or something. <laughs> <laughs> Those Murder were three color coloring books. <laughs> but uh, look, it, it was it was huge. I, I've told this story before, but in I think kindergarten and first grade. Uh, at recess, uh, my friends and I would play Six Million Dollar Man in the in the schoolyard, and uh, I would uh, you know jump a- at least four steps 
down to the ground uh, playing Six Million Dollar Man and Steve Austin. Oh, and it yeah, was absolutely. Awesome. And this and was you, years, years no, before it the was Austin, woman. not Austin. Austin. That's Austin. Austin. But you always uh, heard that sound effect in your ears. Oh, and 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 we tried to make it too. I know, but you know, we all remember that so well. So, isn't it interesting when you go back and revisit it to realize that that sound effect wasn't mm. in the show initially? Yeah. It was well, only it, later. It certainly wasn't in the pilots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't in the pilots, and in fact, that that classic introduction, you mm. know, like what we call them now, a saga cell. It's not only right. credit, but it was also a saga cell, which being the Cylon tyranny. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that um, uh, didn't didn't materialize until later with the with the with the show it wasn't in any of the three TV movies. And, in and fact, of course, they had a goofy theme song for oof. the uh, pilot, Dusty Springfield. Yeah, oof. It yeah. was a, a kind of a kind of a an attempt at a James Bond style yeah. theme song, and uh, it was yeah. it was awful. Not good. Well, but it was more <laughs> than that, right, Steve? I mean, the pilot is is kind of um, when you look back at it now, I think it'd be hard for anybody to say this is a particularly strong TV movie cyborg. Maybe you guys disagree. I mean, it had great cast at Darren McGavin, and uh, it had Martin Balsam. But it it is slow. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't really. It takes a while to get going. It was recut as a two parter um, for the show, and you can watch it on Peacock now, where all the Six Million Dollar Man's are. And it was called uh, what was it called? It had a ridiculous name. Well, it, it, uh, it was called um, Oh gosh, The Moon in the Desert. The Moon, the moon in the, in the Desert. desert. Right. Yeah. But then. They hand it off because they realize they got lightning in a bottle, but they're not quite sure what to do. And they bring in Glenn Larson. Now, yeah. as we talked about on previous shows, Glenn Larson was known as Glenn Larceny because <laughs> he would rip off whatever the popular movie was at the time. In this case, so when he's charged with doing $6 million, man, he turns it into literally James Bond. Yeah. It's James Bond with bionics. And yeah. that second movie... Is is it's better than the first one? Stronger, faster, faster. <laughs> <laughs> so subscribe today at trexpressplus.com and don't miss a single episode of Deck 78. Fire the rockets. This is Peter Holmstrom, and if you're a fan of Star Trek, check out my new book, The Center Seat, 55 Years of Trek, the official companion book to the hit documentary series by the Nacelle Company, which chronicles the history of Star Trek from the early days of Lucille Ball and Desilu all the way to through the end of Enterprise, featuring new and expanded interviews from Trek legends such as David Gerald, Rick Berman, Ronald D. Moore, Harold Livingston, Walter Koenig, Kate Mulgrew, Nana Visitor, Robert Picardo, Tim Russ, Brandon Braga, Lisa Klink, and of course, in Glorious Trexpert's own, Mark A. Altman, as well as the final interviews from Kirstie Alley and Leonard Nimoy, in addition to so, so many more. Pick up The Center Seat, 55 Years of Trek, available today in hardcover and digital wherever books are sold. Ladies, to the briefing room. 
Welcome to the Trexperts Briefing Room, where industry professionals curate audio commentaries with the creators, creatives, and diehard fans of the Star Trek franchise. My name is Peter Holmstrom. I just had a new best-selling oral history of Star Trek book come out called The Center Seat, 55 Years of Trek. Please go pick it up right now. I'm Lisa Clank. I wrote for Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Voyager, and I'll be on the picket lines until the writers get a fair deal. I love this new intro you got, Lisa. <laughs> Hopefully we won't have to have it very long. That's very true. That's very true. Um, today, we thought we would do something a little different. Uh, both Lisa and I have had the pleasure of, of writing uh, short stories for Star Trek and specifically for Star Trek Explorer magazine. So today we wanted to have our, our first uh, editor uh, for the magazine be on to uh, talk a bit about um, the process of, of writing short stories, process of putting together a magazine in, in today's day and age, and uh, uh, a lot about Star Trek. So our guest today is returning guest. He's one of our favorites, I'd say, here on the, on the briefing room, uh, Jonathan Wilkins. Jonathan, thanks for coming back. Oh, thank you very much. One of your favorites. I'm surely your favorite. <laughs> Did I say one of I meant the <laughs> The favorite. <laughs> uh, Jonathan is, of course, uh, an editor for for Titan Publishing, which is a, a big publishing house in the UK and publishes stuff in, in, in across the world, I suppose. Um, and they do a lot of stuff in, in the genre landscape, uh, Star Wars, Star Trek, uh, Doctor Who, uh, Marvel. And Jonathan has pretty much done stuff in every one of those franchises. Um, Jonathan, why don't you talk to us a bit about like how, how you first got started in, in, in publishing and, and got involved with Titan? Oh, well... Uh... <laughs> It, it started because I wasn't really talented enough to do anything else. So um, <laughs> I've, I've always loved um, Doctor Who and Star Trek and Star Wars and all those things. And, and I, I wasn't, you know, talented like Lisa, where you, know, you can write for the actual show itself. And, and, and it was trying to find a way to get involved in that world. And, and it seemed to me the best thing to do would be to get involved in the magazines back in the days when magazines were well younger people might not realize this but back in the day the internet was magazines um and that's how you found out about uh sort of uh, science fiction films coming up or what was interviews with folk you know back i was an avid reader of um star log um, mm-hmm. in the uk we had star burst um and also even some of the horror horror ones like Fangoria, Gorezone, those things. Um, but my real love was always the movie magazines that you would pick up um, when you went to the theatre. They would have, um, you know, you, the movie you went to see, they would have almost like a brochure of, of the film. It, it, I don't know if they still do that in the States. They certainly did, don't do it in the UK now. And and sometimes you'd 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 go in especially to see what they had. I remember buying the Star Trek Four poster magazine um, on the way in to see. I think it was what would have been Crocodile Dundee or something. Um, <laughs> there. And so I ended up with this great poster magazine with you know big poster of um, of Jillian um, on my wall and <laughs> so, you know, kind of random one. But um, but yeah, the, and that, the greatest that character was in, in the Star Trek, the greatest character in the history I, I of Trek. Why 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 could <laughs> why, yeah? That, that, that's just a spin off waiting to happen. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so uh, that was kind of where my interest came, and 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 seeing those things in the print, and occasionally with those things as well, you would have there'd be behind the scenes photos and I was always really interested in seeing those or I was really interested when sometimes ever so occasionally it doesn't happen often now because things are, are 
you know, in the licensed world are a lot more um, tightly monitored. But sometimes you would see a photo of a scene that wasn't in the movie. And yeah. there'd be no way to check instantly. So you would have this this crazy thing of, did I blink when that happened? We, we, oh, I need to go back and see, the, <laughs> you know, pay to see the movie again and find, you know, see, <laughs> oh, that wasn't in there. Where, where, and uh, and you couldn't go on the internet and check and say, hey, when what's this about? You know, it, mm. so there was a lot more mystery involved uh, in those days um, with movies. So those that's really where like it. The, the the be- I mean just a side tangent here, but those were like such the, the great times. Like I remember, like back in uh, there, there were all these pictures from the Empire Strikes Back of like of like the Wampa attack on Hoth base, right? And like mm-hmm. for years, there was just this theory that there was this like R-rated cut of Empire Strikes Back <laughs> out there. It was just too gruesome. And I even remember like seeing an article uh, written by Mark Altman actually in the '90s, just before the special edition came out, and he was just theorizing that like, my God, this is going to be like Apocalypse Now and <laughs> Star Wars. And I'm so you know he was he was anticipating the the special editions would would reintegrate all these these legendary yeah. uh, mythical things. And and then finally, when wow. we see the deleted scenes in 2011 with the Blu-rays, it's like, oh yeah, that. They they should have been deleted. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's a, yeah. It's like a scene for the Muppets, isn't it? Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry um, I interrupted there. But... No, no, no. You've mentioned Mr. Altman. I should say one of my favorite movie magazines was the the movie magazine for A View to a Kill. The yeah. frankly, yeah. I think we can all agree is the best James Bond film, and um, <laughs> and uh, that had photos in it that weren't in the movie and were were sort of. Mm. you know that really were like oh wow where, where does that fit into the movie and how does that fit into the movie and and so yeah it, it and that kind of taught me i guess at the even at the time that you can pique people's interest and get people really interested in that sort of behind the scenes stuff because because i think we're all fascinated in it i think i think we're all really interested in these things we love how are they made yeah how are they put together and i think with a with a magazine you really can you know, w- watching the TV show, we can enjoy watching the TV show or the movie, but that can't just be it. There has to be more. There ha- we want mm-hmm. to know absolutely everything. We want to. I remember in a Star Wars magazine, uh, Steve Sansweet said, "Oh yes, there's loads of of offcuts of uh, a New Hope that you know you could actually put together hours and hours and hours that maybe lasting for days of, of offcuts <laughs> and." you know other takes he said but no one would want to watch that and i, I remember reading that and thinking yes they would steve <laughs> yes i would sit through that i would i would i really I, and i can't be alone in that and it, it <laughs> maybe it would get quite boring after a while i don't know i guess i guess if you're one of the people making these shows then it might be a case of yeah this is really boring let's just get get the take and get the thing done but but for us mere mortals, we're like you want you you want to know more. That's the thing. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, I'm, I'm wittering on now. Um, anyway, to, to cut a very long story, um, I did a degree in film and English. Um, I was looking for a job, and I applied for a, a job at a magazine at Titan called Dreamwatch, mm. which was a kind of a multi-purpose. Um, it used to be a Doctor Who fanzine and then it kind of got bought by Titan and it became a more general science fiction magazine. Um, I got I got the job as a deputy editor. Uh, 
Dreamwatch folded within two issues of me starting. Not my fault, mm. I hasten to add. <laughs> um, uh, but my my boss said um, very slyly one day, do you like Star Wars? And <laughs> I, I, I mean... You, I think you ask almost anyone that question. Yeah, I like Star Wars. You know, you, you know they could ask the cleaning lady that, and she'd say, "Yes, yes. I like Star Wars." You know, yeah. <laughs> um, so, so I ended up doing that. And the thing, the thing with Titan, and the thing with a lot of these publishing houses, the way they work, is everybody works on other everyone else's titles. So you, mm. you'll be given, you'll be working on Star Wars, but oh, would you mind just checking through Star Trek? And, and reading through it and making sure there's no glaring errors or um, you know any, anything that might be incorrect or any words that have just dropped off the page or punctuation so you end, you end up sort of working on with your toe in everything and it's actually really nice it, it gives a lot of variety to be able to do that so um, so yes and then yes then Star Wars Marvel and then um Star Trek I agreed to help out on Star Trek doing uh the fiction which is why we're all here I mean I think it is worth pointing out though too that like yes today everyone would would eagerly say like yeah we love Star Wars but like when you started and like when I was you know a fan you know post prequels before the sequel trilogy (laughs) that wasn't true like a lot of people were like Star Wars is terrible i hate it and <laughs> and i feel like your work on on star wars insider magazine was was really seen as kind of a turning point for the magazine but also just like a, a major kind of lightning rod for fandom at the time which was like this was such a, a pro like love letter to star wars with each issue and it really allowed for fans to, to latch on to that and, and really just say like yeah you know what we do love star wars we, we love the prequels we love the clone wars mm-hmm. you know? and it's it was kind of a safe space in, in an era when everyone was wanting you know the dark knight or whatever you know nonsense mm-hmm. they were out there <laughs> on the dark and gritty stuff and it was uh, it was very important at the time so it's uh, yeah, that's true. I think we were. There. I think I was quite lucky because because the the Clone Wars was underway, and we we had a lot of access to the Clone Wars cast because they you know they were all like get it, trying to get an interview with Harrison Ford. Forget it, but mm. Ashley Eckstein was a little bit easier, so we could get yeah. Ashley or Dave Filoni or you know you know anyone within the cast really, and so that was really helpful, and we could really have long in-depth chats with them about what they were doing and and uh so that was that was a very useful thing in it's very it's very useful always useful to be able to get access to the to the talent it doesn't always happen but um but in in that period yes we were very we, we were very lucky or i was very lucky to be able to do that so we jump ahead, and then you, you. So you were asked just to come on and help out with with Star Trek Explorer, right? Because that was it was kind of a relaunch for the magazine. There had been a Star Trek magazine for for many years, but then this was this was kind of a a, a reboot, so to speak. I wonder if you could talk a bit about that. Yeah, because we well, I think it was because um, Star Trek was being Star Trek itself was being relaunched. There was Discovery, there was Picard. Um, there was a whole sense of a, a slightly new phase in Star Trek starting to happen. So the sense was like it's the right time to just freshen the magazine up and to offer something a bit different and to offer sort of 
you know, we, we do this on magazines all the time. It's like, you know, it's after, you know, you, you, after a couple of years, you will have a look, see what works, see what looks a little bit dry now. And then you would just give it a little boost and invariably you'd have a slightly different team who would, who would uh, come in and say, Oh, why, why don't we do this? Or why are we doing this feature? Nobody likes this feature or whatever. Mm. You know, I, I won't say which features, no, no, it's all very <laughs> popular. Um, but you would, you would change things around. And, and so, and, and from a design point of view as well, it, we, we just felt like, uh, you know, just to give it a slightly, a slightly more contemporary design, maybe. Um, and that was really kind of where it all comes from. And then, um, you know, and it, it's great fun. Brainstorming is, is you know, in general, a, a fun thing to do. It's fun, you know, to yes. come up with, with with new stuff. And, you know, especially when someone's really, really vehemently trying to argue for something and, and everyone's, no, what do you, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> um and so generally that's me, by the way, that comes up with this terrible idea and I'm really <laughs> trying to persuade people. Um, and so um, our editor back at the time, um, Nick Jones, he over, he oversaw the main bulk of the magazine and um, I was given the, the fix, fiction segment to do because the idea was is we would have um, four short stories in total, two in the magazine, and two as a digital subscriber exclusive. Mm-hmm. So the idea, you know, the idea being to to give people four new Star Star Trek stories. I bet have, I have to say, having done Star Wars for so many years, I do apologize if I say Star Wars, I, I mean Star Trek. Okay, it's <laughs> it's, uh, it's awful. There's no rivalry between the two, is there? Is it? That's all a media <laughs> myth. Um, <laughs> um, so. Um, so yes, anyway, so that really is where I kind of came in and I was tasked with finding writers, um, but also um, finding artists where where mm-hmm. where appropriate to come up with 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 new artwork so to to really kind of make the story shine. So yeah, so that's, So how did you cast your net to to find writers? Well, um there are, it, it's quite funny because once it was announced and out there that we were doing short stories, they kind of came to us generally. Yeah, um, yeah. Gen- generally, we we would get sort of people throwing their their um, hat in the ring and say, "Oh, I've, I'd really like to write some. I'll come up with some ideas." And um, and that, yeah, that's kind of where it came from. And I, I kind of obviously I'd done a podcast with you guys, and I was like, "Well." these guys know about star trek maybe <laughs> maybe just maybe lisa might be able to, might be interested in writing a story but obviously being a, t- a tv writer maybe she's well maybe she's she wouldn't be interested in doing a short story you kind of become oh yeah so the thing with these things you become quite timid in a way or i i was mm-hmm. quite timid about it because you think oh well this is a short story in a magazine but but you know if you you know if you've written for a tv show are you would does it feel like a step down is it a different oh. discipline is it um but thankfully you were very keen on doing it so um, oh yeah that's that's that was a huge relief 
and, and big kudos points in the office, by the way, is there's nothing quite like it. We've got an actual real Star Trek writer. There was, there was a big gasp of, oh, wow. um, so, um, so yeah, so that, that's kind of, um, that's kind of what happened. You, you, you kind of, it, it's almost like um, ripping a bit of paper. Once you, once you just slightly rip a bit, suddenly the whole thing kind of, happens you know it it, Mm -hmm. it's a terrible analogy sorry that doesn't make any sense whatsoever (laughs) Um, but but what but i'm what i mean is it it's it's sort of it's almost like if you build it they will come and we 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 suddenly had um lots of writers big names coming in or not so big names certainly you know people who were i've always wanted to write for star trek how do i go about Mm -hmm. it and and um, the nice thing was is that we were able to to sort of combine the two and and to have some some I, I, how would we put it veteran writers let's say that's mm-hmm. I guess that's I mean, um, a little more veteran writers at, at, you see yeah see some yeah some established well respected writers there we are there you go yes um, lit, some literary giants of the Star Trek well. Um, and some some new people come in with stories, which I think is really important to to ha- to find that balance because mm-hmm. you know it, it's um, it's just nice to have some variety, and you you never quite know um, what you're going to find if you you give uh, newer writers a chance. I always find I think it's 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 always interesting, and. I Which brings us to Peter, well, who wrote a particularly fine story yes, for us. Well, I should say. Th- th- thank you. That is, um, <laughs> I, I, I just, I just, I, I particularly just love that uh, uh, philosophy for Titan because you know, I mean, especially these days, like getting into any art field, it, it just feels incredibly daunting for people. And, yeah. Um, mm. The fact that there is in the in the tradition of of Michael Piller, right? It's like you you kind of still have that kind of open, uh, maybe not open open submission policy but if it you know the willingness to at least uh, to have the door open is so wonderful and um, and encouraging um yeah and um but yeah like i guess like maybe uh maybe we'll, we'll the next question the next national question would be like so you know the way this would always work is you'd ask for pitches and and some people would submit uh, you know, one or some people like me would submit, you know, a dozen or whatever. And like, um, I guess like, what, what do you, what do you look for when you're looking at a, at a short story pitch? Cause obviously it's not a story. It's just a paragraph or whatever. And, and how do you, how can you, how do you suss out? Like, is this going to make a good short story? Um, is the writer going to be able to deliver what, what is needed? Yeah. It, well, it's interesting. I, so we initially started off, we were quite keen on doing some stories featuring Q because I thought mm-hmm. Q was Q was one of those really interesting characters who is sort of he was kind of uh, there, I felt like there were a lot of Q stories that you could tell that were you couldn't necessarily tell on the screen. Like I, I was quite keen on on finding a way for Q to meet Kirk. I thought you yeah, know, Q Q has been around forever. Why has he never clashed with Kirk? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think. I think that I think the thing I quite enjoyed doing about that, and I hope the writers enjoyed, was saying, "Hey, can we come up with this?" Giving almost like an idea to them and saying, "Can you make this work?" And and there were, I mean, there were some ideas that I think were sort of grabbed with both hands, and 
yes, we, we'll do that. That's no problem. There were some ideas I I bandied around and nobody was remotely interested in doing. I, I would send <laughs> like three idea, like little single line ideas. One of them being, and I was obsessed with this, and I'm, I'm sorry to any writers listening who I kept sending this idea to. I really <laughs> wanted to see was was a story with um set immediately after the voyage home because there's a whole thing in the voyage home where that they allude to in in uh, final frontier where kirk says let's see what's out there and scotty says oh we saw what's out there it's you know the whole ship fell apart and i thought <laughs> and i kind of thought to myself would it be really interesting to do a thing where the enterprise is on a mission literally the first mission in this new spang you know spangly ship that should be wonderful and nothing works transporter doesn't work or the shuttle cutter and they have to think their way around the whole thing malfunctioning and so and of course it's kirk and crew so they they save the day and i couldn't get anybody wrote to even go near that idea um and it's 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 probably just a bad idea so um but i was obsessed with it that that and um that and, and a, a sort of captain harriman earns his stripes after uh, Star Trek Generations again. Mm-hmm. Nobody. I mean, it's, pro- pro- it's it's probably it's probably been done, but I I I was kind of yeah trying to to press for for that. Um, but we need, um, we need justice I mean, for the Enterprise B, Jonathan. We can still make this happen. I just thought It'll be great. I just thought that could be a really great sort of yeah. I just oh anyway, it it doesn't matter. We got we got better ideas, so that's that's fine. Um, <laughs> But I mean, in to take for example, um, Lisa's pitch, the Q story, um, Q and False, that was a story that I, I, when you you came up with that story, I I was kind of stunned because I thought, why has that never been done on television? That's yeah, it's it's pure Star Trek. It's, <laughs> it's there's you know, it's got that sort of. Um, you know, for those that don't know, it's about um, Q is impersonating a, a deity on a on a planet, and Picard encounters, and it's it's how do they deal with what do they you know what do they do? How do they deal with this problem? Because they know that Q is not who he says, but that he, he there's a whole religion based, and that to me was such a Star Trek idea. Um, I mean, if any of the Star Trek producers uh, of today are, are <laughs> listening in, that would be a, a great uh, basis for a story. And I'm sure Lisa would be only too pleased to write it for television. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but um, but that, to me, was a, was a great example of a story that was distinctly Star Trek and... Um, like I say, it was almost a double take of, oh my gosh, that's, that idea is so obvious, it's never been done before. It, it, it's <laughs> crazy. It's crazy. Um, so, so it's really it. It's nice to either either give a give a, a crazy pitch and say, you know, can we have something along these lines, and then to get something back in return that maybe isn't what you initially suggested, but is better than what you suggested. That I think is is the key i think that is is what we like and what and but but also you know all the writers who who we've worked with really know star trek so they know if an idea has already been done or they know if an idea will work you know because an idea a, a star trek idea for 
for a certain crew might not work for another crew you know it, yeah. it, it, it sure. can be quite a specific thing and, and and that's what's lovely about working with writers is that you know the good the good writers of which you know we've got a hundred percent hit rate of great writers working on the magazine <laughs> they kind of they know you you know mm. everyone knows what will work and what won't work so it's it's lovely because we can send it therefore in for a the approvals process and it you know I, I don't think i ever got a story back that had you know red lines through the whole thing and no you can't <laughs> do this or this this wouldn't happen or these characters wouldn't do this it was mm-hmm. you know absolutely spot on absolutely spot on that's awesome uh lisa i mean i guess you know we talk about your story there like where, where do you start you know this is all uh you're, you're creating these ideas from whole cloth this is you know um, what what what's the initial spark of an idea for you when you're writing a short story? Uh, well, with Q, uh, you know, I wanted to have him, you know, do, doing Q stuff, you know, being being mischievous, you know, and and kind of toying with people, and you know, the way that he does, um, and you know, like you, Jonathan, it sort of struck me that nobody had ever done this approach before, that he would probably be impersonating a god, probably on several different planets, because he is, in fact, omnipotent. And how would he be different than an actual god? Um, you know, and and wouldn't he just love to be worshipped? And so, yeah, that that also kind of occurred to me as, you know, I can't believe nobody's done this. And so I, so I ran with it. That's very cool. But like, also, like, you know, you've written three now, you know, <laughs> like four. When, when, yeah, four, excuse me. And it's like <laughs> when, uh, when, you know, you're just brainstorming general, just very like, oh, I, I, I'm coming up with a pitch for a story, you know, like what, 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 what's going through your head? Uh, are you thinking of like specific episodes or, or do you think of specific characters or do you think of like, try to think of like a Star Trek idea that hasn't been done before? Like, like what's the, what's the very step one for you? Well, what I, what I really like about short stories is that I get to do things that we weren't able to do on the show. Um, you know, it's like in the, in, the, in the story with Beverly Crusher, you know, I had an alien that flew. And, you know, on a TV budget, especially in the 90s when you didn't have CGI, you couldn't do flying aliens. And so it's like, yay, I get to do a flying alien. Um, and, and in the Q story, I got to have the aliens have six arms and be covered in fur and, uh, you know, something that would have probably looked pretty goofy if we had tried to do it, you know, <laughs> on the TV show. But... In a short story, you can get away with it. Uh, so a lot, a lot of it came from what can I do here that I couldn't do before, um, and sometimes it would come from character. It's like when when I um, when Jonathan told me they wanted to do something with the Next Generation cast, um, you know, Beverly kind of came to mind as as being a sort of underused character and somebody that I wanted to kind of take out of her comfort zone, you know, and give her a gun, and let her go, and you know, shoot nasty aliens. Uh, which Picard has done quite well also. But, <laughs> uh, so yeah, it kind of came from what what have I not gotten to do? That's fun. That's awesome. Um, and, How about you, Peter? Um, you know, for me, I, uh, I, I, I a bit of a bit of that to be sure. But like, I, I think part of it too is I'll, I'll watch episodes, and what's so fascinating is so often they'll they'll kind of leave a loose thread they'll leave mm-hmm. like a loose um uh a hanging storyline that just never gets touched upon ever again and and that often is is my starting point where i'll just be mm-hmm. like wait what if what if they actually did follow that up you know because yeah. of the nature of, of episodic television um so often things just never will be so like my first short story 
which I was very excited about, was um, uh, involved uh, Decker and Ilea, which mm-hmm. is shocking to me that no one's done anything with them in like yeah. any other <laughs> any other medium. I mean, not just I mean, obviously, you know, you got the, the movie, but like beyond that, like there's just nothing out there. And given that there's like so many novels and so yeah. many, <laughs> so many uh, uh, short stories and so many games and you know all these ancillary mediums, no one's ever there's been one comic. Uh, short story that involved mm. um, Decker and Ilya, but it was also like after they became, uh, they joined with Vija, mm. mm-hmm. which is a fun comic actually, but um, it involves like Vija as this new life form and Q shows up to be like, what is this new omnipotent being that's existing? Yeah. Let's, let's see that. And then uh, because of Decker and Ilya, they rediscover, Vija rediscover, has discovered its humanity and thus like, Q's not interested anymore. Yeah. <laughs> just, just leaves and goes and like because he uh, goes to goes to hang out with Picard or something. But um, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, my thing was like, well, what if we actually talk about like when they first met? You know, that we mm-hmm. heard about how they met and we heard about heard about how Decker was assigned to Delta Four and some shenanigans happened. And I was like, well, that could be fun. And then you know we could bring in um, another like Phase Two character of of the Vulcans on. Um, which mm-hmm. I also thought was just like a really fun idea for a character that no one's ever done anything with, um, which is again really weird to me. But uh, yeah, I thought like, hey, this could be a fun way to fun way to start. Um, and then like, yeah, with my second one, like it was a, a Jordy story, and mm-hmm. in season one and two of of Star Trek, Jordy occasionally mentions how he has like chronic pain because of his mm-hmm. visor, which never gets brought up again after season two. And I was like, well, what if we lean into that? Like, what if we talk about how like Jordy has been part of the reason Jordy is on the enterprise. Part of the reason why he's at tactical as opposed to um, in engineering is like, he's wanting to be kind of on the front line of new medical discoveries, you know, mm-hmm. hoping that like maybe he can um, uh, be, uh, you know, first to, to find the new uh, cure for his chronic pain that, that he can't get rid of. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um, so I kind of played into the, the, you know, uh, the Frankenstein trope of you know a guy who's too hell bent on his own uh, <laughs> his own uh, discoveries and he loses sight of how dangerous it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then my third one, which is coming out, uh, I think in the fall, was to talk about a Voyager story, which is I don't think you wrote it, but I'm you were on staff at the time. But it was that one where Kess kind of uh, goes all like Dark Phoenix on on Voyager, and she, yeah. She, they encounter like another Ocampa uh, yeah. colony and she unlocks all these powers. And, and then after it's all resolved, uh, everyone's just like, yeah, she's fine. And he's like, yeah, I'm fine. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> There's probably some fucked up emotions going on. Uh, so let's let's dig into that. And um, and anytime oh, I can talk sorry. more about, as you know, I like Kess a lot. So mm-hmm. anytime I can talk more about Kess, I'm all for it. So, Jonathan, did you have to keep up with, like, the novels and the comics and all that kind of stuff to, to keep track of which stories have been done? Um, w- uh, well, to a certain <laughs> extent, yes. Uh, I did find that um, the the Star Trek Wikipedia, uh, Wikipedia listen to me, Wikipedia, <laughs> um, was very useful um, mm. in, the, in doing that. Because I don't think – I mean, I, I – mean, I, I, I did rely a lot on the writers or I do rely a lot on the writers to, to know, to know that. And also we have an approvals process. So we've got mm. sort of a, a, a kind of a, a brains trust of very experienced expert 
Star Trek folk who, you know, the the minute a story veers towards being similar to something, then it they'll say, "Oh no, can you just steer it that way?" But yeah. um, the funny thing is, I, I don't think I ever told you this, Peter, but the the um, the Decker and Ilya story uh, around the time you were doing, you were writing that for us. Um, I was unearthing some old interviews, and I found a, a lovely interview with Persis Kumbata, and, and she's not she. she, she Obviously, she's passed away, and there there weren't many interviews with her about uh, Trek. But it was a lovely interview. There was a nice little section at the end where um, she talked about how she'd been signed to do a series, and she right. said, and then I was thrilled because a series at the time, TV shows were a little bit looked down on, but a movie with a prestigious mm-hmm. director would be a, you know, it was a big... And then she said, I realised that though my character essentially not dies but there's no particular way to come back though and she says i she said i was really upset because i was never asked back and so it was really nice to have that little short story and have her mm-hmm. her back again and bring her back to life again yeah. that, that character yeah. and yeah there should be I, yes it, i think more delton stories would be amazing i think they're very i know they they kind of turned into the um betazoids but uh Hmm. I keep pitching it, man. Like I would love to do like a whole series of just on Delta Four and like, track <laughs> track all of Decker and Ilya's relationship until they. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be a lot of fun. It'd be very good. Save save the artist drawing hair, I think, as well. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> so it'd be good. Um, so yeah, so that so that was um, that was a pretty. Clear, but I uh, yeah, I do like that's the, that's the thing. It, it's like it, you know, having writers who pick up on, like you said about Geordie saying that he feels pay. You know that is a lovely thing to pick up on and just do a bit more on that, um, that kind of uh, uh, you know uh, that aspect of the character that you know I, I, I mean Lisa you probably know far more than in fact you do know more than me on this but <laughs> the fact that that drama like uh, sort of episodic drama at the time would tend to have a reset button and the next episode everyone's mm-hmm. kind of generally back to normal and there might be yeah. occasional reference but um very rarely do do things or things get dropped just because the story moves on and so forth so it, it's quite nice to to show that there are there are people paying attention yes absolutely um lisa so, yeah. what were some of the challenges for you as as you were writing like did, did you uh I'll, I'll leave it there what were some of the challenges for you as you were writing the short stories well the the trick is to find i i think you know a story that's sort of the right scope for a short story you know you can't you can't go blathering on you know to to like a novel length but at the same time you want to have enough enough stories so that there's some meat on the bones right. um and so, like, I guess this maybe the second story I wrote was about the Voyager crew, and somebody had poisoned Seven, and they were trying to save her life. And that could have gone, you know, run and chase for a whole movie's worth, yeah. you know. But then trying to figure out what are what are kind of the highlights of that of that chase. Um, and again, that was something that I really never gotten to do before. Was you know a, a space, you know, like a starship, you know, chasing around through the moons of Jupiter, you know, because we couldn't really show that on the show. And so I wanted to focus on on that. Um, and so yeah, I think that was trying to get a handle on on how much story to do was kind of the first challenge. 
and then how much detail to go into. Yeah, that was something I had to learn too. Um, more at the pitch phase, I suppose. But like I, I, you know, I found a lot of the stuff I was pitching in hindsight. I'm like, that was too big of a story. Like, mm. That's um, more of a, a novella or you know an episode of television yeah. like that. Like basically, like what I've honed in on is like for a short story like this, and and for the listeners out there who haven't read them, they're they're basically 2,500 words. So it's not mm-hmm. not um, not a lot. I mean, we were talking what nine pages i guess of uh, of text um on a, on a word document but for the magazine yeah. <laughs> i guess it's like two and a half two and a half pages of magazine and um so not a lot and what i honed in on was like you you basically get three scenes and that's it you know like in yeah. terms of just like three locations that you can put into and then ideally you can do less but it's like that's a, the most you can do because if you're doing more or i mean what you did with your with your uh Voyager chase story is, is like it's it's very fast moving it's very quick but you know you're not spending time to labor over like the description of the of the moons or the you yeah know, things yeah. like that and and but if you're looking for more of like a walk and talk type trek story uh, you basically get three scenes and that's it and, um and that was something i had to learn myself it's just like less is so much more in these sort of things and, mm-hmm yeah, I found that also with the the Captain story, the Captain Proton story, uh, which was a bunch of fun, because um, I hadn't gotten to play in that universe, and so it, it did end up being kind of episodic the way that I guess I imagined Captain Proton itself, you know, being like the serialized, you know, stories, and so it did end up being basically three scenes, like you said, sort of with, you know, with a bit of a through line, but really kind of three separate set pieces, yeah, um, and that was really all I could get in there. I also have to say, I love the art for that story. Like, yes, me uh, too. I, I love, you know, Jonathan. I mean, you know, compliments to the artist you found for this this magazine. But it's like that that art piece in, in particular is just like, wow. That's uh, I, I, I if I had written that, it would be on my wall right now. <laughs> oh, oh well, yeah, we, we're very lucky actually. We've got some really talented artists who are who are brilliant at likenesses, who are just. Um, are very clever at just finding the scene that that, that will work best as an image, mm-hmm. um, and best of all, they're really quick. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and you're on a deadline. They kind of come up with stuff, and and I mean, I remember on um, on your story, Lisa, on the Q story. I remember we we had uh, didn't have enough arms on our statue at one point, and yeah, I showing you showing you the art. And you go, hey, he's got it. He's not got enough arms. So we we. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, our our artist on that one, he was um, a great guy called uh, Christian Rosado. He he sort of quickly came back with with those extra arms because mm-hmm. um, yeah, we, it's it's very important we keep the writers happy. I don't. Oh, definitely. <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that that, that <laughs> should be a mantra a mantra for today on the picket lines. I think keep the writers happy. <laughs> there you so, go. Yeah. Well, uh, Jonathan, I guess. Uh, uh, question being like when you get the 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 work back like like what what do you find is the the most difficult challenge for you as as an editor at that point um reviewing the the story for the first time um it's well it's tricky because um the the it the work the the stories tend to come in and that you know, I'm, I'm genuinely not just saying this to be nice. <laughs> I, it's very hard to find fault or things to change in the story. In, and again, it, with almost all the stories we've had, have all 
to me been absolutely fine. You know, there might be the occasional typo, not not in this present company, I, I might add. Oh no, I'm but, terrible. Of course. <laughs> but um, but um, there's there's you know it, it, the challenge is is to really, I mean, it's it, it's just a if there is a problem to find the problem but they're generally no like i say the the, the stories come in and the, the team we have the team of writers um kind of they know their stuff they're really good writers so it, it's quite hard to sometimes it's quite hard to find a find what best to illustrate for a story i think is and mm. to suggest to the illustrator or oh, have a look at this or how you know can you do this but but again, with the, the illustrators, once they they have the um, piece, I mean, the um, uh, Louis de Martinez who did the Captain Proton, I mean, he just had a ball doing that, as you might imagine. He yeah, I'm totally sure. got it instantly what it was going to be, and mm-hmm. off he went. And uh, you know, again, that that was there were no revisions. I mean, he just uh, <laughs> he 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 understood the assignment completely. So so. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually a very smooth process, really, um, in terms of the stories that come in. Um, I remember, I remember on the the way to exile story, which was a Greg Cox story, which was um, we kind of went to him, and he he's kind of the Khan guy, and so we we you know it's there's a there's got to be a Khan story somewhere, sure. And I kind of remember him taking a week or so trying to figure out where there was a space, you know, having written, I think he's written three novels at this point, Khan novels hmm. at this point, um, where to put a Khan story in there. But he, he found the space <laughs> somehow. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, that that was a little bit of a challenge. But, um, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Have you ever wanted to write a story yourself? Um, I don't have the talent to write a story myself. It's it's. Oh. it's um, oh, I, I, I'm happy to I'm happy to come up with a wacky idea, but uh, <laughs> doing a doing a uh, actual story, I think it's um, it's a, it's like you know um, I don't I don't sort of yeah I I I don't think I could do it. I think it's I think there it, it is a real talent and a real there's a skill to it to especially like you say with with the smaller word count and the, to to write a story in a smaller space like that. I think it it's it's almost like sort of um it's almost like Twitter or something, isn't it? Trying to just yeah. convey a story almost, yeah. in that, that brief amount of words. Um so um yeah, I I, I I think I would prefer to leave it to the experts. <laughs> yeah, I know for for me, like my first draft always comes in super long, and it's just it's gut wrenching to cut it down to, yeah. to twenty five hundred oh, words, and I'm just like, good god, I'm, I, I had written poetry. Well, maybe we'll, we'll we'll have a sort of a writer's cut at some point and do like the extended, <laughs> uh, yeah, because also like I mean, it, it's worth pointing out too that like these are not just for the magazine you you'll reprint them in a in a hardcover format 
mm-hmm. um, that that are put out uh, uh, through through Titan, and uh, I believe do very well. So it's a, a compilation of all these short stories together. Yeah, you, uh, well, you could almost do a writer's writer's you could. <laughs> We could like a special edition. Um, <laughs> yeah, we 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 kind of because it's it's kind of nice to have have it on your shelf and a magazine is is mm-hmm. lovely to have it I, I know people collect magazines and keep them and but it still feels like it can be quite a disposable format so to have it on a uh, that's sacrilege saying it just no keep your magazines um <laughs> but it, but um but to have a, a hard cover for your shelf is is sort of is really nice and it, it's and it's um you know to see to have that collection um and to you know, go into the bookstores and see it as well is is really nice mm-hmm. as well. If there are still any bookstores, I mean, we're we're running out <laughs> over in the UK. I don't know what it's like there. Um, so yeah, so so to do that and maybe put added, we we put a little bit of added content, sort of some of the the sort of rough designs from the artists, um, you know, that maybe didn't quite get through, or you know, idea. It, uh, ideas that we didn't explore further they, they we had that as well as a little bit of value added material so that's fun yeah the, do you get uh, a lot of feedback from uh the readers of the magazine do we yes of course we do <laughs> star trek fans of course true. um true <laughs> um yeah we do actually um uh we um i'm trying to remember what what some of them were that i can repeat um <laughs> uh, no, they were they were they were all absolutely lovely um we got some very nice feedback lots of people absolutely love the stories um there were some a couple of uh letters came in or emails came in asking for more deep space nine so yeah. uh so that i think is is being has been rectified i think we've got more deep space nine coming mm-hmm. um and yeah gen- generally i think people are very happy with them it's it's nice to have that little sort of trek fix it's nice to have that um and also the variety of stories in in you know when you get to the hardcover volume or even in the magazine it it's you know i mean with these books you could always theme them but i think Mm -hmm. star trek has so many different you know you've the original series deep space nine voyager you know so uh what have I left out? Next generation. Oh, sorry, next yes. generation. Um, <laughs> um, you've got all those those different things, and I think it's nice to have, uh, you know, a broad, um, you know, a broad range of stories because, it, it, you know, you you might not be a fan of Deep Space Nine, but you might read one of these stories and go, oh, "Hey, these characters are really interesting." I might just mm-hmm. check out some more and um and hopefully the, these stories as well also act as a bit of a taster for the books and you know people will oh yeah like the trek is really good in written form because not not some for some people star trek's just a tv show and they'll sure you know they'll buy the magazine but they'll but oh hang on these books look really interesting i might just pick up those so so it's just it's just all about sort of expanding the trek empire and making people more more ex- more excited than Star Trek than they already are, which is a lot. Well, certainly the the uni- Star Trek universe is really a wide canvas. I mean, there's there's so many different stories to tell within it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, the the only 
um, stipulation with it is that we're not allowed to cover anything, any of the more recent shows, because they're hmm. obviously they're obviously in progress, and right. we don't want to tread on any toes and so forth. So, so, um, so those are kind of their own uh, thing. So. Which is nice. It's nice to be able to delve back, and and that does allow us to, you know, do maybe the slightly more odd things like Kirk, Kirk and Q meeting, yeah. or or you know, a, a a a little sort of added Khan story or, or something mm-hmm. like that. Which is, um, I mean, I love all that. I think it, I think it is fun. I think it. I I think that whole idea of, you know. Kirk and Spock go one way, McCoy goes the other way, and we carry on with Kirk and McCoy and the TV show. But what's, you know, what's going on with the other characters and, and finding yeah. out? It's almost like a, a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern thing, <laughs> the parallel action, you know, yeah. going on. I, I kind of like that thing, and it, it's nice to be able to do that in a short story. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I love about the the fiction medium as well just is that like the you know the adventure never ends right (laughs) the the, uh and you can let these characters live again in in some ways i mean you know i I love trek comics but specifically the trek comics of the dc run in the 80s are just so magnificent and you're just reading them you're like wow this is this is kirk spock and mccoy and they're just kicking ass as they always do (laughs) and when you have writers that are able just really capture the characters voices so well it, it works great and like Lisa obviously had had a career doing that professionally, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's been so much fun just for me just to be like, yeah, these characters just live in my head rent free, yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, hopefully that comes yeah. across on the page. I don't know, maybe so <laughs> someone will tell me it, it doesn't. Jordy would never say something like that, but, um, <laughs> but it's, it's just so much fun just to be able to to be able to do that um, and bring more life to these to these underserviced storylines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and it's a, it's funny actually the working in licensed publishing now and and looking back on say the the dc track i mean they went off at a completely different tangent to, to the <laughs> so, movies yeah. i mean they yeah. totally they didn't hang about and wait to find out how what happened after say star trek 3 they just went off and <laughs> did their own thing and had the mirror universe and yeah. brought mm-hmm. back all sorts of guy yeah, and and so, then had to re and and it, it's a, and I, I totally understand why, you know, nowadays licensing thing, you know, you you wouldn't be able to do that necessarily, and, and to 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 go off at that angle. But <laughs> but oh, it's such fun though! It's, so fun. it's such fun. Yeah. Yeah. I miss those days. I just you know <laughs> even just like the Marvel Star Wars comics. I'm just like sure, let's just go wander around the galaxy on all these crazy <laughs> adventures. And there's like a pirate ship just floating around in space. <laughs> Great, and it's, uh, the DC stuff's the same. I mean, you just you get to hang out with Savick some more, and then there's like Mirror Universe Kirk pops in. Oh. And just uh, oh, you've just said man. the magic. You've just said my absolute magic word, Savick is yeah. a character i am obsessed with savvy i yeah. savvy i my if terry metallis is listening i want a, <laughs> I want a tv show set after the events of star trek 4 with Savic. maybe 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 harriman is useless after all <laughs> and he gets fired and Savic is the new captain of the enterprise and yeah. Savit and the 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 twist at the end of the the first episode is that she has her and Spock's son 
on hmm. the Enterprise, and that and and that introduces the idea of having families on the ship, and that that because they really want Savic and Chuck, and that introduces yeah. that's hmm. yeah, it, it's that to me. I mean, I mean, it, it's like yeah, I. I Someone call Robin Curtis and get her get her. In that, <laughs> that, that would that would be my deal. That is a, a, a phenomenal example of a a um, an underused Star Trek character. I think she's an mm-hmm. absolutely fascinating character. Ab- fascinating. She's absolutely fascinating. <laughs> it, it breaks my heart that they just didn't have like the means to do. You know, there was no kind of tv show at the time for her and there was no space in the movie i kind of understand that but yeah. oh i would have loved to have seen more of yeah, yeah. what a i character. completely agree and i'm i you know i grew up just primarily watching star trek 4 because that was the only <laughs> trek movie that my local library had on vhs so i just had access to that one so it's like robin curtis was just like always my my savic and i know a lot of people are all about kirstie alley whatever but i'm just mm-hmm. like, no it's all about robin curtis for me. It's so good oh so good oh i don't mind as long as savic is in it it doesn't matter who you know <laughs> it's uh, uh yeah and I, I i think yeah i'm so pleased she she didn't end up being a traitor in star trek six that was it's fair yeah was, i mean it I'm, it would have been a weird road but it uh i don't know part of me is almost it would have just been fun to see her again um but uh it could i agree though it, it would have been a little heartbreak heart-wrenching to see that but yeah hmm. i couldn't have dealt with that that would have broken no. star trek forever for me <laughs> <laughs> oh boy uh yeah we need we need more static that's for sure um there we are uh hey, get pitching get pitching those short stories some there you stories, go maybe yeah, there you go yeah. i love it i love it <laughs> um lisa i guess like uh, we should probably start wrapping things up here but like lisa like do you, did you um have any maybe a fun question would be like was there any pitches that you did that that didn't get selected or any ideas you had that you uh, had to abandon or something like that, that you still let's look back on and we're just like, man, I really, I really wish I could have done something. With you that. mean from my time on Voyager? Um, Voyager or, or uh, uh, short story writing um, now, but uh, yeah, I guess either, either one. Uh, I don't really think so. I mean, there was, there was a couple of things on, on Voyager, like, um, you know, obviously some stories that I would pitch, you know, that either we could, it was too expensive or it just didn't fit in with sort of the, the overall story of the plot. Sure. Um, I remember there was, you know, a whole brainstorming session about how to deal with uh, Roxanne Dawson's pregnancy right. and whether we're going to actually incorporate that into the show or not, or if we're going to hide it or not. And uh, they had some interesting ideas for that, but obviously we just decided to hide it. So didn't do awesome not uh, looking jacket, which with the, it's, with it's the, very badass, frankly. I yes. Jacket, the, the, the disappearing jacket. Yes. The, the engineer's jacket had all the tools. And the, yes. But I got to say, I, I, I don't really have like the story that never was. Um, I, I really, especially for the short stories, I think that you guys pretty much accepted uh, the pitches that I gave, which was really nice. Yeah, they, 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 I, it, I'm sorry. This, it, it, I'm hoping this isn't too boring to say, but but th- things ran so smoothly. Mm. Um, yeah, there, there was absolutely no controversy whatsoever. I kind of <laughs> wish there were, almost wish there was a bit of a like, oh no, that story's terrible, Lisa. Come up with something else. But no, it it, it was, um, and it, it's lovely when that happens. It's just like, ah, mm-hmm. oh, brilliant. Yes, that's that's good. And then. Uh, and then there's obviously uh, 
Pistol Peter here sending you numerous uh numerous sort of really well thought out stories and yeah um almost did i over is that essay. what i'm hearing here I, I like... <laughs> yeah you, no you did but it was really good because because it was you know sometimes you get one line you think oh well we only need one story but i'd really like that one but you kind of explained all the stories really well and it was it was <laughs> I think it, I was just so nervous. Lot. I was it, just like, I, hmm. I'm just going to like think out so many of them. and Maybe they'll find one that's just barely okay. And they'll, they'll go for <laughs> no, it. It's uh, yeah, no, it, I, 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 yeah. I think like for me, like I, and this was something, I think I pitched one or two, but none of them were any good. But like, I, I never quite figured out how to do like another Sherlock Holmes data story. Yeah. And like, it was something that even the original Trek writers were like, Oh, we're gonna bring back Sherlock Holmes all the time. It's gonna be great, mm-hmm. and, and that's why they built such an expensive set for that for that area. And and there had been some legal disputes or whatever, but that kind of impeded that. But like, I also was just thinking about. It. I'm like, how the hell do you do that? <laughs> like, how do you naturally bring in a story that is both like like dramatic, science fictional, but also like something related to Data and Geordi are on the holodeck again, and there's Sherlock Holmes, and it it. Uh, there had been like one comic book in the nineties um, that had uh, was kind of a, 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 a follow-up to, I think it was a wolf in the fold. I think is the mm. original series episode oh, where yeah. like Jack the Ripper is like an alien being that's been hopping around <laughs> from people to people. And so, so in this story, like Jack the Ripper comes and just happens to invade the enterprise, right? When data and, and uh, Jordy are in Victorian England. And so it, it, plays in that sense right because it's like mm-hmm. oh jack the ripper in victorian england works perfectly but then i was like how the what's the other story to do with it and i, I just yeah. never came up with one and it just it breaks my heart because i mm-hmm. always love that that oh, love, that and love data in, in in that deer stalker yeah. and never figure it out hmm. must, yeah there must be a there must be yeah keep thinking because that i, I Th- there must be somewhere yeah it's just a question of finding something that they that doesn't just rehash what they've done already yeah, and that I is mean, the problem. That is the problem. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing. Is, I mean, the thing is, you would. Yeah, I mean, like you've got. So uh, I know you've already got Moriarty, but surely Law would be Data's Moriarty. Yeah, maybe, mm-hmm. and get Law involved in it somewhere. Or anyway, that's the, maybe that's the idea. Is, actually, that's yeah. Jonathan, I keep, oh, you, know, you keep you keep throwing out these great ideas. You should throw your, throw your hat. <laughs> well, I, well, well, the the one that I really want to do, and I, I. I I, I didn't even dare pitch it because I, I think it's such a, if you pardon the pun, a can of worms, but the, a, a follow-up or some sort of expanding on conspiracy, which is, I know, mm. I know quite a popular episode with some folk. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I really felt that I had, there was more to say in that story, but, um, but I'm not, I, I'm not sure a short story is the medium for uh, mm. to carry that on. It, it's a funny thing because it's such a far-reaching, big. Yeah. I think that's the thing. You can't do an epic, you know, an epic story in a short story. It has to no. it has to be relatively self-contained. It can be action-packed, and it can be, or it can be very thoughtful and characters just talking. But it, you can't really do a a sort of a something too far reaching and too too wide unfortunately yeah so i i so, really yeah, that, that... I, I held on to that theory for a long time that those creatures were behind the picard 
season three stuff. And, uh, <laughs> in I'm like, why did I ever think that? But it, I was, I was, I was convinced for a while. I was like, no, you this didn't is think it. You just wanted it to happen. That's yeah, probably right. That's probably right. Yeah. Uh, boy. Um, well, oh. Jonathan, I mean, what's uh, what's upcoming for you work wise? What what do you got? What are you excited about? Um, what am I excited about? Well, I'm working on another book of another um, compilation book of, of Star Trek fiction at the okay. moment, which is um, which is going to be called. I think it's going to be called the Mission and Other Stories, which comes out a, a little later this year. So that's kind of a, a follow up volume to uh, the Q and False uh, book, which which is in in stores now. <laughs> um, and I'm also, and I hesitate to say this because I know everyone's doing it these days, but we are actually working on a Star Trek illustrated oral history uh, oh, book, nice. which, oh, is, yeah. which is which um, is which is which is different uh, from other Star Trek. Is it, so there's room for all of these things. Um, Yours so has pictures. That is, it sounds. Like my, <laughs> my, 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 I'll be honest with you. It's ma- mainly pictures, but they're great pictures. Ah, um, <laughs> and so we're so I'm I'm sort of feverishly trying to to get that done. And realizing that um, every time we interview William Shatner, he tends to just talk about what books he's doing rather than what it was like making a mock time, or um, you know what it was like, you know how the transporter worked on the Enterprise. So, um, so we're kind of uh, so we're we're working on that, and I think that would be quite an interesting uh, companion volume to the other splendid oral history books that are out there. Um, <laughs> Which is, you know, we're all Star Trek fans. We'll buy them all. Let's face it. Um, <laughs> um, and so, so yeah, that that's what I'm doing in the world of Trek, um, and yeah, and various other Star Wars and Marvel projects, and uh, too numerous to mention because my brain is so fried. I can't actually remember what some of them are. <laughs> yeah, totally I'll, I'll be totally reminded fair. when the deadline comes up, and it's like, oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lisa, how about for you? Do you got uh, another short story coming out here soon, or uh, what's what's new for you? Uh, I don't have a cur- currently have a short story going. Uh, I'm right now. I'm actually working on a graphic novel oh, uh, nice. that has nothing to do with Star Trek or Star Wars or uh, any existing franchise. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm doing uh, in between uh, picketing. Uh, yes, that's very true. And picketing probably uh, is uh, uh, taking up uh, a, a lot of picketing these days. A lot of picketing. Yeah. <laughs> As there should be, as there should be. How about um, you, Peter? Uh, I have a new short story coming out in issue eight of Star mm. Trek Explorer, um, which I believe, Jonathan, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the fall issue. Um, so that'll be, uh, or maybe the summer issue. It would be the summer issue, wouldn't it? Because it's uh, issue seven just came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so later on this summer, um, and it'll it'll star the, the character of Kess and um, be a fun little story about her. Um, set during season two of, of Voyager and kind of uh, grappling with her and her her uh, virgining, uh, virgining, it's not the right word, um, um, coming ab- abilities and psychic powers and grappling with that. Um, and it was a lot of fun to write. And it's got some great art, too. I, I saw yeah. a little sneak peek of that recently. And it looks fantastic. And, um, very excited. That's great. And then also have some more oral, oral history books coming out this summer, too, which I'm excited to get those get those out into the world yeah um, i get to talk about the star wars franchise at great length and um uh and uh yeah so that's all happening and we're gonna keep podcasting away here while we can so, 
It'll be fun. Well, I guess we'll uh, wrap things up right there then. Um, listeners, if uh, you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at uh, TrexpertsBR on Twitter and uh, Trexperts Briefing Room on Instagram. We'll post some behind-the-scenes images of stuff and uh, maybe give us some links to our, our hardcover short stories that are out there in the world. Um, Jonathan, I believe Star Trek Explorer is the Twitter handle, right? Uh, Star- it's Star Trek Explorer on Twitter, or um, you can find us at um, right. This is where I'm always woefully underprepared um, at uh, Titan Comic Comics dot com uh, magazines, and you can subscribe to Star Trek Explorer and not only get the magazine, we get an amazing digital supplement that has two extra short stories. That's awesome. Great. Um, and uh, uh, we obviously want to thank our, our, our team at the Electric, uh, not Electric, at the uh, Inglorious Trexperts uh, podcast feed. Um, Mark Altman, Darren Doctorman, uh, Mark Rivera out there. Um, so thank you guys very much for being here. Uh, if you like the show, rate us five stars, please. We really appreciate it. Helps other fans find our show. Um, until next time, the briefing room is now closed. Scott, what do you repeat what you just told us? About an hour ago, the bridge control started going crazy. Levers shifting by themselves, buttons being pushed, instrument readings changing. And on my monitor screen, I can see Mitchell smiling each time it happened. As if his ship and crew were almost...